Hi, I'm Thomas. Welcome to the Parachute Advice Podcast. My life has taken a lot of twists and turns, and on this podcast, I will dive into those experiences. The goal is to help everyone listening learn from my experiences and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes I've made. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Parachute Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas. Today, I want to discuss how I do my job search when I decide it's time to move on. Before we dive in, I wanted to share a story from many years ago. This story taught me a lesson 20 years ago as a line cook that has really stuck with me to this day. I had been bitching for most of my shift about God knows what, but a fellow line cook about 25 years older pulled me aside. He asked, did you get paid Sunday? I said, yeah. He then asked, did you get paid the Sunday before that? I answered, obviously, yes. He then asked if I thought I'd get paid this coming Sunday. I said, of course, I'm here working. He looked me dead in the eye and said, then stop bitching. Work isn't supposed to be fun. If it was, they wouldn't have to pay you to be here. This has stuck with me to this day. We exchange our time and energy for a paycheck. Work at times will not be fun or even tolerable. But that's not to say it has to make you miserable. But there will be hard days. I think about that story anytime I'm having a bad day. It helps keep me grounded. It lets me ask myself, is this just a hard day? Or is this truly a bad day? That said, you have to know the difference between a rough day and a genuinely bad situation. As you heard in some of the stories I shared in the previous episode, the difference between a bad day and a bad situation is usually pretty clear. As I've already mentioned in an earlier episode, I update my LinkedIn profile monthly, reviewing my current position for new highlights I can add. If I go more than three months with no updates, this is my signal, my development and experience may be coming stagnant. Another reason I do this is all too often we think of our accomplishments as something we'll never forget, and then suddenly, it's two, three, four years later, and we've done so many great things, we can't remember what we accomplished 18 months ago. So this is a great way to keep track of those things. Also, I think it's very important to keep your resume updated at all times. You never know when you may need it, whether it's an unexpected layoff or a recruiter that calls you with a great once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but they need your resume right away. I can't tell you how many times I've had friends call me or email me in a panic saying, I need help making a resume this afternoon, and I'm always shocked. You mean you don't have one ready to go? I make updating my resume part of my monthly LinkedIn review. Think of your resume as the key highlights of your career and accomplishments that can be tailored to specific jobs you want to apply to. And then you can add more detail on LinkedIn with a link on your resume back to your LinkedIn profile. When it comes to my personal social media, this is the one thing I leave open in public so recruiters can find me as well as hiring managers who may have roles open. I can't tell you how many times I've been cold called for positions. Some great, some not. After you finish your resume and do your updates, have at least one person review it. Multiple people is better though. Multiple times I've had someone in an interview point out a spelling or grammatical error in my resume. Once it was because I used Microsoft Word and I had set it to ignore words that were fully capitalized and bolded from proofreading. Another time, the word was spelled right, but it was the wrong word. I had mange in place of manage in several spots and because it was spelled correctly, nothing caught it. And since I knew what it was supposed to say, I just read right past the error. I personally know I'm a terrible speller, so I have others proofread stuff all the time, including my resume. Second is context. While what you wrote 
may make sense because you know the buzzwords or what the project was, an outsider may have no clue what you're saying. Also, keep the format clean and basic. Make sure it uploads cleanly to sites. I will often test print my resume and test convert it to PDF to see if something weird happens when you do that. I now use Google Documents exclusively and when I update my resume, I print a PDF so I know the format is universal and it's ready to send out at a moment's notice. I also always title my resume files with my last name and the date it was updated. So I know when it was from and if I send it out, the person getting it knows who it was from. I still to this day also keep a plain text copy of my resume. While I've rarely seen that needed anymore, there is random times when it may be needed and it never hurts to just do it right away. Besides just having your LinkedIn profile public, I always have mine set as casually looking for new opportunities in the job search settings with only recruiters able to see that. I also go in every few months and turn that off, wait one day, and then turn that I'm looking back on. I have seen the number of views I get from recruiters jump almost every time I do this. So I suspect what happens is it moves me back to the top of the search as if I'm a new candidate in the marketplace. I will keep saying this over and over. You should never let your employer know you're looking. It can have very, very negative impacts on your career. While I personally, as a manager, see no issue with that, I know a lot of other managers and companies don't think like me. They're worried about themselves and not the development of their team members. So now you're ready. Your resume is updated and LinkedIn is aligned. I forgot to mention that earlier, but it's vital to make sure that the two are aligned, your resume and LinkedIn. It is one last thing a hiring manager or recruiter can nitpick. I've had it happen to me. While I personally usually see this as a red flag, it's still easier to just avoid it happening. How do you know where to apply? Well, I personally use LinkedIn, Indeed, and company websites to find opportunities. And when I say company websites, specific companies that I'm targeting that I wanna work for. I keep job search email alerts always on from all of those message boards. It helps me see the state of the marketplace and if anything interesting pops up in one of those emails. It also doesn't hurt to see if your current employer is up to shady stuff. In the previous episode, that company I worked for where I mentioned the manager who would gaslight his employees, he once set up a secret job search to backfill me. The company had kept it off their internal sites and I only saw it because it popped up in one of my email search alerts. It always pays to have a plan. The only reason that that incident didn't impact me was he quit before he could get rid of me. Because like me, he had a plan and jumped ship when he got the chance. A trick I learned was to use LinkedIn and search for people who previously worked at your current company and then see where they work now. Oftentimes, one company will be a huge fan of hiring people from another company. I always save this as my emergency plan. I have multiple friends who joke all the time that there's a company up the street from where they work that's like the graduate program of their company. Everyone ends up there. Now the time has come. You found some roles of interest. First off, look and see if you have connections there that can refer you or even get you the internal job posting. Oftentimes the internal job posting will have more information and may even include the salary information. Another trick when it comes to salaries is see if the job is posted in Colorado. At the time of recording this episode, the state of Colorado requires all job postings in the state to include salary information. A major pet peeve of mine and something I find disrespectful is ghosting of former colleagues for years and then they suddenly reach out looking for help. 
Make sure you build a network and maintain it, even if it's just the occasional touch base or a meeting for coffee or a happy hour beer. Stay in touch. I have a coworker I've I haven't worked with in years. We catch up at every college basketball game. We're both fans. This can be very helpful for your career in general, but it's also just respectful. I once had someone who had ignored my emails for assistance come back a year later and ask me for help. Did I help him? Yeah, because I believe in karma and doing the right thing, but it certainly pissed me off. I was guilty of this early in my career too. I would often ignore emails from old colleagues and ghost them. We all make mistakes, but learn from them. That's why I'm sharing this with you now. Tied into this is don't hide your out of work. Don't be ashamed. Share this on LinkedIn. It's happened to all of us, and it will probably happen to some of us again. Why should you share this, you ask? Well, I can't tell you how many times I've not been interested in a role a recruiter has reached out to me with, but then they ask for referrals. Hell, in the current job market, I've even had headhunters offer me a cash bonus if I can get them a referral that ultimately gets the job. But more than that, when people in your network know you are looking, then they can help you. Finally, as you're going through your job search process, make sure to save copies of each and every job you apply to with the full job description so you have it for the interview process. I personally copy the job description and then I email it to myself and save them in a folder. It also helps me keep a record of everywhere I've applied. Next, if you haven't interviewed in many years, I would suggest a practice interview. What do I mean by this? It's very different interviewing today, especially with all the virtual interviews. Find a job in the marketplace that you are confident you will get an interview for and that it won't get back to your current employer and apply. Go through at least the initial few rounds, the recruiter screening and the hiring manager interview, and then politely and professionally bow out. I know this sounds weird, but interviewing is much like a sport. If you are out of practice, you cannot perform at your best. If going as far as setting up a few throwaway interviews, like I mentioned, doesn't work for you, then at the very least, ask people you trust to interview you with standard interview questions so you can practice. Does it suck for the place that you fake interviewed with? Yes, but it's vital to you to be building this experience. And in the end, you have to do what is best for you. Don't make this a regular habit, but I would do it if you have not interviewed in many years or frankly, since COVID. Also, test out your phone and computer to make sure it can support the new ways of interviewing. Many companies now use Microsoft Teams, Zoom, or Google to conduct video interviews and they expect you to be on camera. To that point, if you are doing a virtual interview, always be prepared to be on camera. Even if they say you don't have to be, be prepared. I just had an interview where they specifically said I wouldn't be on camera and then the hiring manager turned their camera on. So I turned mine on because I was prepared. So you've done all the work and the good part starts now. The company wants to set up an interview. Keep in mind, this is just the start of an often very long process. Especially if it's around any major holidays or the summertime when people are traveling for vacation, this process can take several weeks to over a month. I've even had it take multiple months. Now that you have the interview set, make sure to prepare. Write out questions that you want to ask as well as prepare for questions they might ask. For example, everyone asks, why did you apply to this job? What about this role interests you? What about this company interests you? Or what do you know about our company? This is a good time to highlight an article you may have come across like, it was interesting to see the advancements the company has made in the area of X, Y, or Z. 
They'll always ask you, what is your greatest strength or weakness? I hope this goes without saying, but don't be overly arrogant here. We are all not perfect. But to that point, make your weakness a strength, but not too cheesy. I often highlight that I can get far too focused on details when analyzing data and that I need to remind myself of the perfection curve. What's the perfection curve, you ask? Well, it's the idea that at some point, the effort to get one point better in something is more work than the benefit. If you're interviewing for a manager role, I can assure you, you are going to get asked what your management style is. This is the place you can really set yourself apart, but it has to be genuine and represent your true style of management. You can't fake this. Plus, if you BS this, you could end up in a situation where your authentic self is not a good fit with the company's culture. Last but not least, do not, I repeat, do not badmouth your current or any previous employers or managers. I assure you, this will get you no bonus points and could frankly blow up in your face. First off, you never know who knows who. And second of all, your new employer does not want to think of you as somebody that will ultimately go behind them and badmouth them. And that's what you're going to be doing. There is also something else to be careful about during this whole process. Once you're established in an area or industry, you never know who knows who. I've had recruiters I've worked with or stayed in contact with reach out to me about my current coworkers because they're looking for jobs. Next, prepare questions. Something I do is I will type up questions specific to each and every person I'm interviewing with. And when they ask if I have any questions, I pull them out. I will do research about them on LinkedIn as well. For example, in one interview, I made a comment to the effect of, I see you left company X five years ago to join this current company. What made you choose this organization? And more importantly, why have you stayed? If you're meeting with HR, maybe you ask them, can you share what the corporate culture is like? I'll warn you, you're likely going to get a canned answer, but it still gives you some insight. I've begun to ask every organization, how did you manage through COVID and the pandemic? Did you transition to work from home? If so, is this now a new benefit? Did employees have to take pay cuts? Were those pay cuts permanent or temporary? Did the organization use layoffs or furloughs to manage through things? For tough questions like this, how they answer can be as telling as what they answer. If this upsets them or they get confrontational over tough questions, ask yourself what happens when you need to have a tough conversation at work. COVID or any other economic downturn can be tough, but companies should be open to share how they manage through it. For example, I recently interviewed with a company that put right in its SEC filings that they use pay cuts and layoffs to manage through COVID. When I asked how they managed through COVID, they kept dancing around the question until I pushed and said, I read in your filings, you did X, Y, and Z. They then finally answered with not only did we do pay cuts, we did layoffs, and we fired the entire senior management team. When I asked about why they made such drastic moves, the response I got was, we just did what everyone else was doing. I took this as a red flag, especially since many companies only did one of those things and some of those companies did none of those things. At this point, make sure to also ask what the entire interview process will look like if you haven't already asked this or it hasn't already been explained to you. Most companies I've interviewed with will follow the three round process. First is a screening interview that usually lasts 30 minutes with HR or the company's recruiter. Then in this day and age, a video call or phone call with the hiring manager. Expect this to take about an hour. 
And then there will be maybe a third round with several key managers and the hiring manager again. I usually plan that this will be in person and take roughly half a day. If feasible, I like to schedule this for first thing in the morning. It allows me the ability to experience the commute to the new office and potentially gives you time to go into work afterwards, allowing you to just take a half day. It's much easier to explain a half day than a full day off, in my opinion. As I mentioned, you do not want your current employer knowing you are interviewing, so make sure you have a plan for what to say if they ask why you're taking the day off, especially since it will likely be short notice. For the phone interviews, a method I've used is to schedule them around the lunch hour and then take them from my car or a private space at work while off the clock. If your company has small private breakout rooms or personal phone call rooms, use those. Otherwise, find and book a conference room that is off the beaten path. Oftentimes, there's that one conference room no one uses because it's so secluded and out of the way. If you book a room, make sure to title the meeting something that no one will think twice about, like project meeting or project call. Remember to not use company resources like their internet or computer either. While they may not know or care, I see no reason to take the risk. Also to that point, make sure no one can hear you talking while in that private space. Oftentimes, people underestimate just how far their voice carries. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of the process and gotten the offer. Now is the time to review the entire compensation package. If they have not shared by now what the full benefits costs are and what benefits are included, ask. Look for fine print like when your health insurance kicks in. Many companies, it's day one, but for some, it's after a month or it could be something like the first full month you were there. This type of thing could affect when you pick your start date. Look at things like vesting periods on retirement funds the company provides or bonuses that they may offer. Also, look at what the impact your last day will have on your benefits from your current employer. For example, do they give you insurance for the full month no matter what your last day is? Then maybe leaving on the first day of the month makes sense because you'll have insurance for the whole month. One employer I left had an accrual schedule for your vacation payout. By pushing my last day out one week, I went from getting paid out for one week of vacation to getting paid out for three weeks of vacation. I had known they paid out for vacation and planned to leave that year, so I used as little PTO as possible so I would get the vacation payout. Okay, you now have done all of that. Next is salary negotiation. And yes, I would say in 90% of the cases, you should unless the offer is spot on. How do you know if it's spot on? Well, you can ask around within your network people you trust, of course, or you can look at Glassdoor, Indeed, or LinkedIn. Do research and don't be greedy. There's a lot of info out there on this topic. I would read as much as possible to understand what is best for your specific situation. I have asked for and received sign-on bonuses, increased vacation, and salary increases all at different points in my career. Also, at this point, don't forget, you can still say no and keep looking. Don't feel pressured just because you got an offer. You have to be confident this is the right choice. I always ask for 48 to 72 hours to review the offer before I make the final decision. Also, in the rare case you are interviewing with multiple companies and the one that made you an offer is not your top choice, don't hesitate to reach out professionally and let the other recruiter at the other company know you've received an offer that you need to respond to. I did that once and got an offer from my top choice that afternoon, and it was significantly higher than I had expected. Also, keep in the back of your mind, you might get an offer from your top choice after you've accepted the other offer. Again, this whole process is about you bettering yourself. So if needed, you can always back out of the offer you've accepted, assuming you've not signed any contracts. 
Not that I've even really heard of this, but just something to keep in mind. I once turned down an offer even though I hated where I was at because of the last minute changes to the salary. And frankly, the terrible way the hiring manager handled my question about the sudden change. Be polite, respectful, and just say at this time, the offer and position is not what I'm ultimately looking for in my next move. Okay, now you've decided to accept the offer. Once you've decided to accept an offer, the company will likely do a background check and drug screening. Be clear to them, you need to give your current employer two weeks notice and that you can only do that after you get the okay on the background check and the drug screening. I once nearly had an offer pulled back over a background check because the employer name I used on my resume did not match the background check company name due to an acquisition and legal entity name change. I had been using the legacy name, but they were operating under the new acquisition name. Also, don't waste your time trying to talk up your current salary. One employer I started with shared the background check that they got, and it had every paycheck I had ever received on it by, my, by every employer and the amount they had paid me for the last 10 years. I was frankly shocked to see that this is what the information was and glad to know that this is how it works. Finally, when you give your notice, there's a chance your company will give you a counteroffer to stay. Every situation is different, but I highly recommend you don't even entertain the counteroffer. If you're curious, re-listen to the episode on career planning. Once you are ready, politely give your two weeks notice and finish out strong. I have always kept my formal letter of resignation short and to the point. I start with something like, please accept this letter as formal notification that I'm resigning from position X with company Y. My last day will be... X day. Then a short two-line paragraph thanking them for the opportunity to develop X, Y, and Z skills while in my role or roles with the organization. And then I finish with something like this. During my last two weeks, I'll do everything possible to wrap up my duties and train the other team members. Please let me know if there's anything else I can do to aid this transition. I wish the company continued success and I hope to stay in touch in the future. Leaving on bad terms does nothing for you and it won't hurt the company no matter how much you want to believe it will. I get it. I can't tell you how many times I've been tempted to just torch that bridge on my way out, but ultimately had no desire when the time came. Why? Because I got out. So all the stress and all the frustration was over. None of the negative mattered anymore. I was leaving. Be the better person. Also, if financially feasible, take a few days or a week between jobs to relax. It is rare that we get time off with no concern that we're leaving work undone or coming back to a million things we have to do. In closing, remember this, it's all professional and nothing personal. You are doing what is best for yourself and your family. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to you joining me for future episodes of the Parachute Advice Podcast. You can contact me at parachuteadvicepodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, parachuteadvicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at parachuteadvice. Thank you for listening and please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.